Good evening, Patriots. And it's still March 14th, Monday, in the year 2022. Just kind of going through more of this data. This war is really raging. And I think that there's a there's some dimensions of this fight that once again we are so limited in our optics from what we're trying to discern on a global level. And the movement of economics is really at the core of everything. And there is such a vicious fight going on between these factions of the elites. And at the mercy of all of that is us. We are at the mercy of their... If we follow them, we're going to be at the mercy of their hand. If we follow God, we'll be at his grace. And ultimately, it's going to be God's hand that wins this. So it's one of those things, again, to tuck in tight to him. Before we begin tonight, Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. You know I talk about this coffee a great deal. I talk about this product line a great deal because I truly believe in it. It's one of these things that I can tell you for certain it has kept me extremely healthy and my immune system very strong, especially in this COVID and bioweapon environment. And as much as the pandemic was a pandemic, there is still this reality of all these environmental things that we are exposed to that continually tries to weaken your immune system. And that's the center of the entire line of products offered on Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. The coffee is engineered to give you that boost in the morning, sustained focus all day long, and that sustained energy as well. And it's also as part of that to enhance your immune system. And that goes along with the other products that are on the site, which include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut, which I truly believe in because gut health is a critical aspect to our overall body health, and leaky gut is a very critical problem in just people's general health. We also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract, high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, everything your body needs in one scoop, mix it with water, drink it like a shake. And Pure 47, which is one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you encounter and once again boost your immune system. All of these things are designed to reclaim your health sovereignty and keep you away from the need to go to the hospital, the need to rely on doctors and, and over-the-counter medications, and keeping you strong and healthy. So check it out at Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. I'm going to read through 1 Kings 19, 11 to 21. There's just parts of this that was really striking me earlier and some of the parallels that we're facing now. I'm cautious, as you know, of trying to look at the Bible and say we are here. But the one thing we cannot deny in Scripture is how much it gives us insight into the times that we are in, which also suggests that we seem to repeat our lives in cycles and end up in the same traps. It's phenomenal to me when you read Scripture, and whether it's this passage that we're going to read tonight, or whether it's Paul, or Ephesians, which we know we've overread, or, or Galatians, or whatever you're going to read, it is amazing how many of these parallels can be drawn to the challenges we face today, and what that actually looks like, and what that means to us. Scripture gives us that wisdom to be able to continue to walk forward. It's going to be very well needed. I'm just going to hit a, I think we're all facing something right now. I'm going to share with you, before I read this, kind of a position that I felt myself in earlier tonight. There is a measure of optimism that is percolating up right now. Some of that is just by virtue of coming into spring. And I was thinking about this a lot today because I, I've planted some new things in the garden. I've got all sorts of like 300 new starters ready to go into the garden in the next week. And there's a lot of optimism that that brings because by nature, we are that way. I caution that for a particular reason, not because I don't believe in optimism, but I don't let yourself get swept into that current too deeply and not take the time to make the preparations necessary for some times of famine and, and shortages that are coming. Joseph couldn't afford being swept away into optimism, he kept very diligent in what he was doing, though I, I think he was, in many ways, had an optimistic heart. That's just me speaking. 
But I think that the critical lesson there is that he kept diligent in taking care of his needs and what he saw coming. There's a lot of that on the horizon. One of the things I was reading through tonight is how this war is being waged against Russia from an economic perspective. And it's brutal. It's extremely brutal. They're pulling out critical personnel and people that are keeping oil wells full. They're intentionally trying to collapse the, the, uh, the, perma air, the permafrost area where they're drilling. They're trying to destroy these wells by not allowing Russia to flow the oil out of them. And when you don't flow oil out of them, they have to literally be shut down. To reset them takes tens of years. So there's a lot of intentional damage being waged, which is part of their calculated and very intentional famine and energy shortage that they're engineering. And they're, however this is coming about, they're waging a war against Russia intentionally to leverage this and to force the hand of shortages once again. Europe is looking at a 70% drop in its corn. They're looking at fuel shortages all over. And, of course, they have a mass of people that are willfully going along with this because they're waving the flag of environmentalism. There's going to be a very serious wake-up call coming to everybody when they suddenly realize that this whole thing is a complete scam. And I honestly believe that there is no possible way for humanity to ever take a step forward until we all experience the pain of these evil people and what it is when they engineer death and starvation amongst the many. If you go to Africa and you talk to people who have starved and suffered through this or the Middle East, they're very clear what, what the power of these people are. But this is literally the Rothschild's bank waging war, a banking system waging war against the BRICS nations, which are stepping aside. And I, I'd probably say take off the sea because that's China, but I'm not really sure where they sit. But nonetheless, the, the alliance of nations that are trying to break free from the Rothschild system. And this is a massive fight, and it's being waged in ways that we don't see other than the, the propaganda that's coming out of Ukraine. All of this is going to hit our shores. And as I said in the last hour, we are looking at a complete reset of the dollar and every way that we understand how money works right now is going to change whether it's for the better or for worse is going to depend a great deal on the decisions that we make so i'd really encourage you to continue to keep your eye focused be diligent enjoy your gardens enjoy growing food but get active in this don't waste time food is going to be a commodity and as i've talked about you know, I talk about these supplements at the beginning of, of the shows pretty regularly. Getting supplements that you can count on and having them is going to be important because your body is, you're going to be under stress. Being able to have products that you can, or things that make your sleep good, that's important. Because stress that you're going to, once you get depleted in stress or you start to be stressed, you're going to be depleting yourself in sleep. Make sure you have an exercise program. These are all important things and you have to hold to these regimens. Very important. This is how we're going to get through this. And food is going to be a critical aspect. You don't want to be the one trying to find food. You want to be able to have the food you need. You need to be able to hole up where you are. And, and if you're deep in the middle of a big city, then you better start coming up with a bug out plan because that's where it's going to get worse. And it's going to be the worst of all. Again, none of this is intended to incite fear, but it is real. And if we don't put reality on the table, then we're not doing our job as watchers. So 1 Kings, hang on just a second. Just really crazy tonight. We've been having it all night long. The VPN's been just getting hit brutally all night long. It's crazy. So 1 Kings 19 to which is 1 Kings 19, 11 to 21. So he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by and a great and powerful wind was tearing out of the mountains and breaking the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a sound of gentle blowing. 
When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Then he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of, the, of armies. For the sons of Israel have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. They have sought to take my life. I'm just pause there for a minute. I, I find this passage very personal because I think if we reflect on it, many of us feel like this. The state of the world where the covenant's been abandoned, the altars have been torn down, the prophets have been silenced or killed. This is the state of our world. And the other part about this is as these things happen, it's interesting because the earthquake and the the fire, these the great breaking of rocks with the wind, notice it says, and the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not part of the earthquake, etc. I think we tend to look towards God being this vicious and powerful force at times. And I, I think we seek the idea that God is wrathful and that we deal with an angry God. I would argue quite differently. I think we deal with a God that is very pained by what he sees. I think it's a very merciful God. I think God is very saddened by how much has happened and very open to bringing everything he can back to him and everyone that was willing. I think that changes the timelines a lot and it changes our perspective. If we think about this, there seems to be a rush right now for tribulation, a rush for revelation. And part of that, and this is my personal opinion, is this is an outcome of the McDonald's culture, what I call the McDonald's culture, the drive-through culture. Everybody wants it to be over. And they want it to be over quickly, and they want God to come in and smack it all down and reset it no matter what the problem is. And then in people's minds, they're kind of like, it's all good anyway because I believe in God and I'm going to be taken away and it's all going to be good and we're going to be have happiness. I don't see it that way because I don't see biblically where that lines up. We have to work through this time. And I expect... I fully expect this time is going to take centuries. But I think that the real bulk of this is going to take decades. We aren't going to get a we are we live in our little bubbles each of us in our little optics and we are each in a place where there is a view of the world that is a piece of the bigger view but none of us have a view of the whole world. What is amazing is when you start to realize how many people are really entrenched in the belief of climate change and of wanting this new one world order and of, actually it's a Nazi world order, but of wanting to have, to continue to trust in the, in the vaccine process, thinking it's a good thing. There's a lot of people still wrapped in that. And as much as we would all like to see the, the, the scab of this thing ripped away to reveal it all. We have to be cognizant of the fact that that may not be God's method. There is a very systematic process globally that's happening right now that people are going through the suffering and the suffering is what is awaking them. And it's the realization of things as they just even the realization of something as simple as standing with Ukraine as they do and then having to witness the real story little by little and there may be a whole place of denial. Remember, I've talked before about this, the, the five steps of, of loss or death and that first one is denial and then there's anger and then there's bargaining those are your three steps that we're really in now is a, a, to a large degree in the collective of humanity. The group of people that sit in the place of acceptance is relatively small. 
there's still so many that are within the first steps of the anger, the denial, the anger, the bargaining, and the depression, which is the fifth, the fourth step. There's a lot of that happening, and a lot of that's happening because they've not had a true and intimate relationship with Christ, in my opinion, and they haven't been able to deal with a lot of this, and they've been wanting to believe in something, and that something is the structures of man, not the glory of God. When we sit and we in that place and we consider the magnitude of this fight and we stop looking for where God's wrath is and start looking to where God's love is, and that's where I was bringing my point back to this passage, Elijah heard it because when he heard the, so- the sound of a gentle blowing, that is when Elijah steps in front of the cave, the opening of the cave. And that's when he approaches, when God calls out to him. He wasn't fooled by the others, and yet so many here are still. If you ask people to look for the Lord, I will almost guarantee you they're going to be looking for earthquakes. They're going to be, and they're going to tell you it's not going to happen by flood. It's going to happen by fire. And they're going to be looking for these dramatic events of the Lord trying to crush the world. And yet, that's probably the last place to look. God is not, I don't think God's even moved that way yet to some degree, but God's trying to bring his children home, my opinion here. But if we're seeking where we're going to look for Christ, I think there's this idea that when Christ returns, and it it comes from Revelation, and it's the idea that Christ is a great warrior, and I agree. But my goodness, I mean, there is still, where we sit right now, we're still trying to get people to awaken and wander. And it isn't that defined not as defined, we have, a, we have a sword that has come to the world. But there's a lot of things when we sit back and think about the magnitude of this and the simplicity and the beauty and the clarity which Elijah had to realize that the Lord's voice was in the gentle blowing. That to me is profound, and that is where I think we should be looking. And I think it's there for us to find And if we start to look for it that way, we start to find greater things than trying to find the doom and gloom. I'm always amazed, and I've said this before, and it usually comes from people who have never walked in the path of war. They dream about it. They've seen it on video games. They've seen it in Hollywood. But it is this idea of people wanting somehow, expecting somehow to have this end, this a zombie apocalypse, the, the complete total loss and collapse of society. I'm going to bunker up. I'm getting my guns ready. We're going to, all these things are going to happen. When I'm talking about these events that are coming, I don't see it that way. What I see is that when you start to take food away from people and they don't know what fellowship is, And when you start to create impossibilities for people to find heat or pay for gas and their spending powers declining and the stresses are there and they don't understand a relationship in Christ, they don't have a way to navigate through all of this. And so when I talk about the worst places to be, like in a city, it's an ensuing chaos that that comes about. But even within that, there's a there's a certain part of that that I don't know that ever gets as crazy. Hang on just a second. It it doesn't get as crazy as Road Warrior, at least not yet. And maybe maybe we're headed there. I don't know. But I, I don't think that we're seeing that level of a collapse because there's too much other infrastructure yet that is still there that wants to protect itself and wants to see this system continue. We're in a very nefarious and, and delicate phase right now. And it's a delicate phase of humanity and, and all of the systems that we know are being shaken. And they are. There is the earthquake There is the wind breaking rocks. And 
most of this is happening in part because of men. There's something to think about is that men have created a world of high sophistication and unbelievable need to manage. And the problem with that is it's a world that is too difficult for men to manage now. So they have created other ways to manage it. Those things include artificial intelligence, robotics. They've looked at how to improve and enhance human performance. That's transhumanism. They have looked at how to integrate the system so that they can keep track of everything at once. That's the 5G network. And to do that, they have to create the Internet of Things. And from an exploratory view, they've looked at how they can expand the potential within the realms of what men understand and to reach to new places, and that becomes things like meta. So this world that we're in is almost unmanageable by men without the additions of these other things. There's been some amazing discussions about this in terms of artificial intelligence and the the supply chain system. The supply chain system is so complex right now that even though we see it from a relatively simple optic, the supply chain system itself is so complex that people do not have the ability to map it out without the aid of computers. It's literally that sophisticated or that complex and complicated. All of this is the creation of layer of layer of layer of building and expanding and building and expanding and driven ultimately by the by power and greed. So when you get to a certain point, the opportunists of this have looked at this in a in a, another way of framing this and said, okay, look, we can simplify the whole system by getting everybody to work like a machine. And this same idea, this is not a new idea. When computers first came out, there was a whole movement in the sociology study realm that felt that they could understand all the behavior of humankind by reducing everything down to a yes and no diagram. It's a binary diagram. That ultimately everything came down to a yes or no gate. And and that idea failed. It started in the 70s and it was dead by the time we got to the 80s. Today, because they've expanded the computing capacity, they've created these algorithms and these layers of programming which are approaching artificial intelligence, they're looking at the system as how to better manage it more efficiently, always for the improvement of power and money. And this is where you get the two sides of the elite. One side of the elite is pursuing this complete and total domination of humankind. Humankind will be, to a certain degree, a erased actually the whole human genome will be erased and everything will be turned into some form of a integrated robotic soul it loosely put being let's put it that way that is tied to the internet of things so everything is monitored and able everything is able to be tweaked and the concept of free will goes out the door so there's no more disruptions to the system it's naive it's a foolish dream but it's a dream that psychopaths like to come up with that other path of the elite that I've talked so much about, that center path, kind of the MAGA path. This is the one where they, they don't want to change the system. They want the system to keep going, but they want it to be clean. They want it to be free. These are myths. And in so doing, they're creating more of, they're taking more of these systems and they're saying, okay, well, artificial intelligence doesn't have to be bad. It, in fact, can be a great enhancement to the human experience because it can partner with us instead of dominating us. They can say things like genetic modification, gene editing. If we let it go too far, it's bad. But if we use it positively, we can improve and get rid of disease. Another misnomer. That's All these things come together. Humankind, if we use robots correctly, we can improve our jobs. We can take away the risks of our jobs and we can have better, happier lives. All of these, these two parallel paths are very similar. Because the core of this is nobody wants to step back and say, we need to go back to the ancient paths and we need to relearn and more than learn, we have to listen to what God's telling us. So we're sitting right now in the midst of 
a great and powerful wind that's tearing the mountains and breaking the rocks to pieces around us. And we're, and after the wind, there's these earthquakes and they're shaking. And then we have the fires and all of these things are happening and we keep looking for the Lord, but the Lord is not there. And where is he? It's the sound of a gentle blowing. And it's there that Elijah found him and it's there that we find him. And when we do, we find such peace and solace in the midst of this chaos. Because we're not trying to find the Lord in the mess that men made. Instead, we're trying to find the Lord where the Lord is. And that's the two game boards, if you will. When we keep trying to fight and this thing within their terms, we aren't getting anywhere. But when we step away and we start going into the Lord's process, God's game, God's control, everything changes. I've had so many comments of people telling me lately how they feel calm and they feel good. And I can tell you the one consistent thing that is coming out of all of this, all of those people that tell me that are sitting tight and intimate in Christ and through Christ to the Father. They are literally there. They're not worried about this. They're not thinking about zombie apocalypses. They're, they're thinking about being more dutiful to what God wants them to do. They're listening closely. And even in the things that happen that don't quite always make sense, they tr- they're trusting in that. And I've talked to a lot of different people and, and that are in that place, and it's fascinating. And I'm, I find myself there very much there. And it is that because we're seeking to give duty to the Lord and we're not trying to find him in the chaos. I think that's the big one right now because it's in the midst of the chaos, It when it's swirling around you, you're like, okay, Lord, where are you? <laughs> and it's like, just step out of the chaos and you'll find me. Let's continue. 1 Kings 19, starting at 15. The Lord said to him, Go. Return to your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel king over Aram. You shall also anoint Jehu and the son of Nimishi king over Israel, and you shall anoint Elisha and the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholana as prophet to your place and it shall come about that one of the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel Jehu shall put to death and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu Elisha shall put to put to death yet I will leave 7000 in Israel all the knees that have now not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him Rather strong, especially when we get to the punchline on that one, which is Baal, the worship of Satan and Satan's, Lucifer's minions. There is this point here that then we start to realize that there is a place where God's wrath is very real, but protecting his children at all costs. And again, we see this gentle blowing and even just a very clear and defined line. And I wouldn't, I think when we think of wrath, we think of a storm, but it's just very clear that this is the line of tolerance and intolerance. And this line that I'm not, will not pass is the line of intolerance. And the knees that have not bowed to ball are the ones that shall be saved. I don't, I think when we talk so much about the wrath of God, it gets very dramatic and I find a lot of the discussions about things lately in the whole concept of the end of world. And I've so many people have tried to tell me that you know, we're, we're six months, if not sooner, it's all over. It's, it's going to be here. Like, okay, let's say that's true. I don't know how that changes my path at all. I'm not going to go through a panic buying. It's not going to help anything. I'm going to, if anything, just pray more and walk more with God and listen to what he wants me to do. And I've said this many times here, and I truly mean this. If I got the hotline call from God right now that said, okay, Scott, yes, sir, what's going on? 
Jesus is going to be there in one hour. I'd be like, okay. Well, God, excuse me, but I'm going to be there in 59 minutes and 45 seconds because I've got that much time left to do the duties that you've asked me to do here. Occupy the land and expand the kingdom and bring people closer to Christ. There is, an, there is a real desire for people to see the end to this of what we're enduring. And the end is not necessarily God's desire. Biblically, I would argue that that's not the way things work. That we must endure because we must not only learn, but we must take it in deeply for us to see more clearly. But the eagerness for ends is also a shortcut for responsibility. Each of us has a responsibility and an accountability to live through difficult times. And as we do, we grow. We grow immensely, in fact. So I'm cautioning everybody to, in this place, because it's too easy to get swept up, whether it's in high levels of optimism or in the the concept of ends. The Q movement is an example, tends to get very swept up right now that it's all, it's going to be quick and done. It's all over. There's not going to be any problems and it's all over. We'd all like that. It'd be awesome. It'd be amazing, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know how you're suddenly going to fix 80 to a hundred million people that took the injection. I don't know how you're going to fix some of the problems that are around with homeless, the tens of thousands of homeless that are in deep need of help, medical, mental, housing, jobs, training. How are we going to deal with the broken and destroyed inner cities with rampant drugs and the overdoses that occur every night in the big cities with fentanyl and heroin? How are we going to suddenly stop the child sex trafficking that's raging across this country even now? How are we going to stop the abortions that happen in the tens of thousands every year? How are we going to stop that all of a sudden with 10 days of darkness? See, that's the part that just doesn't ring true because we can't and we shouldn't want it that way. If we want to fix this, we have to get our hands dirty. We have to get involved with it because it's only then that we will never forget it. And I think that's more true to biblical stories, that people have to get their hands dirty. And they have to get involved in the problem to learn and to really understand how we have to fix it. We have to suffer through the pain and we have to suffer through the repairs to heal. That's just so it is. So I would look in this time a lot towards finding God in the beautiful places of the gentle blowing. Philippians 4, 12 to 13, I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That to me seems like at the core of everything we're doing right now. We have to be able to live with and without. The worst part of my life, I thought at the time, became the greatest moment ever as everything I knew and had was stripped from me and I was left with literally nothing and my reputation shattered. And yet it was there that I truly learned the meaning of through him who strengthens me. When we are there in these places, we we come closer to God. All of the illusions are stripped aside. In all of these preps that we do and people should be doing them, it's no different than the seven years of famine. But unlike the seven years of famine, it's not one person running around the kingdom, grabbing grain and sticking it in silos. We each need to be doing that in our own homes. 
But with all of that said, if it came down to it and we're faced with the crises that could evolve, could we step away from it? All these things that we've done simply if God called us, and I would hope so. That's going to depend on how well we listen and how much we've put our trust in him to see if we can actually hear him. There's the always the balance of walking in fl- in the flesh and walking with God are is going to challenge us always. Christ is that that ultimate bridge because he's done both. And he's suffered the pain of betrayal. He's suffered the realities of love and joy. He's seen it all and experienced it all, and he's given it all. But I dare say that he was seeking certain ends or excitement for ends. It was part of a walk and a process that was constant and present. That's, to me, how we're going to get through this the best. So when we put that focus, we bring, we bring God actively within our walk and our lives right then. And in that presence and in that heart of the moment that we bring, that we create, our eyes are pretty real. They're not being distorted by the various hopes and dreams or excitements or whatever. And we're staying focused in the moment where we need to be. And that brings a lot of transformation. It also allows the light within us to shine gloriously for others to see. Because we're not trying to run. We're not trying to end. Instead, we're trying to be that lamp on the hill that draws the many in. I don't know. It's never easy. And it's definitely no set rules but I'm not going to be one that's waiting for the end. I'm going to keep living until I'm called home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these days and these times that we have, and we really do thank you and pray that these days can be realized for what they are. They're days of complete rebirth and of us within us, within our families, within our friends, within so many things that we've come to know that are changing. We are starting to understand more and more who we are and a deeper relationship with you. And so we're blessed. And Jesus, as you are sitting here with us tonight, Pray for your wisdom, the wisdom of someone who has walked in the flesh with us, that understands us better than we understand ourselves. They can appreciate our silliness and love our who we are as the creations we are, and to understand the confusion that we have and yet be able to guide us through all of this. Challenging times. Father, and times that as we wander and seek, sometimes we make it a little too difficult. We try to find you in places that make it hard to hear in the midst of the storms rather than just listening for the gentle wind and the gentle breeze. So, Father, forgive us for our our transgressions and our naivety sometimes of wanting the big and the drama rather than just seeking the peace and the calm. Lead us in that way. That we'll honor you and respect you in all that we do. That we may walk each step and breath as if we're walking side by side with Christ to truly follow the path that was set for us to be that great and to see the eyes 
with that much love. And we to see the world with the eyes with that much love. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to play a short, I played this piece earlier today. It's a very interesting perspective. I agree with it in so many ways. And it's kind of what we're facing right now with this world. I think it's the bifurcated world. Take a listen to this. You're going to notice that it's getting increasingly difficult to connect with certain people in your life. It's always been that way. It's just that things are getting realer now. What do I mean by this? Well, a lot of people around you are still holding on to a version of reality that is dying. It was a reality that was built on ego and on fear and limitations. And a lot of those people are refusing to change. They're refusing to step into the unknown. They're afraid to release their control. In their control, they also hold on to a version of you that hasn't existed for several years. So they keep trying to build a relationship with something that isn't there, with a person that isn't there. You're here now and you want to build from this place. But if they're refusing to change, then they're not even going to see you. So there's nothing you can really do if there's not a willingness on their part to change. Well, the only disagreement I would have with that is there is at least the effort of prayer. But there's a great point here, and I think it really puts things in a lot of perspective. And it goes back to where we began tonight, and that's the storms that Elijah was in. Many people are still living in the storm. They're living in the wind that's crushing the rocks and the earthquakes and the fires because that's the fear and that's the drama. And as we've stepped away and walked in this place closer and more intimate with Christ and trusted in that path that has been laid before us, connected more deeply with Father, we've been pulled away from so much of the chaos. And so where we walk, many people can't understand or relate to and often can't even see or understand us or hear us. The way I think we get to them, not only is prayer, but it's the presence that we create with walking with Christ. It doesn't need words. It just needs something that emanates deeper from our heart. And when we do that, I think that's the real change. And I think that's when they can start to lift their heads and see something else and not necessarily know what they see, but I think they can feel what that is and they're going to seek it. And that's the crumbs that we can leave. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Prayers are just so important right now for ourselves, for that connection with God, to the bridging of the fellowship between us and the building of bridges into places that maybe are in the twilight or in the gray of the night. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom mission forward. Patriots, have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific, until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now
Thank、you. 